0: We're here in beautiful Mount Union, and we've been visiting with Sherry's mom. And um, one thing about Sherry's mom, she's 80, what, 82, but she reads a novel this thick every day. This is 300 novels a year, you know, minimum, and it's really amazing to me, but she just blazes through them. Well, there's just something about a story, and how powerful story is in all of our lives. Uh, why is that? So that's one of the things we want to talk about today. Uh, I noticed as a pastor that you know I could spend, and I did. I spent an hour for every minute that I talk when I was a pastor. Uh, in preparation. So I would spend all this time, you know, in, in the Bible study, part of it. But the thing that people remembered when they walked away was they remembered that illustration. And I knew it from the very beginning because I'm the same way. You know, there's just something about stories that gets a hold of us. And I want to talk about that today. Uh, but uh, from the Bible, we have an example in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Because one of the biggest stories in the Bible is the story of David. You know, he is just a, he's a superhero. He's got super, superman ability as a warrior. And on top of that, he's a recording artist. He's a songwriter, singer-songwriter, and he's a great leader. And so he follows this total failure uh, king, and at, but he respects that king. He respects the office of the king, and he won't, he won't do anything you know, to harm this man who's trying to kill him. Well, all of Israel knows that Saul is a disaster, and he ends up passing off the scene. David takes over and starts taking Israel to new heights. It's a great story so far. The giant killer, young, fresh leader, songwriter, uh, worshiper. Uh, you know, we've got the whole center of the Bible, the Psalms, and so many of those were written by David, our hero. And he did really well in his young years, but when he hit midlife, he fell apart. And there's this awful, awful story of his moral failure as a leader and how that he got involved with a woman and Got her pregnant, and then, okay, that's a human weakness. Then this dark, deceitful, manipulative side of him surfaces, and he does the most underhanded things to her husband, who's the most loyal man, and um, just like there's two Davids in there. He kills this man, has him killed, has someone else kill him, And then takes the wife into his house. And and this is the the way the story of David and Bathsheba starts. But in his heart, David really is somebody who follows God. He's he doesn't want to be the man he's become, but he's so ashamed of himself that he can't. He just does he's stuck. And for an a year. He is depressed and he's dangerous because when a man who has a tendency to violence is depressed, a lot of things can happen. But David just sort of mopes around uh, in his sin. And then God speaks to a prophet, speaks to one of his new messengers. And this messenger's name is Nathan. And God tells Nathan, I want you to go confront David wow what <laughs> what an assignment and and you know, how will i confront david will i will i go to the, the courts and file a charge against david and confront him that way will i will i gather a group of people to support me and will will protest david and will we will put political pressure or you know uh religious pressure on David or or maybe if it was modern you know he'd send David a flaming tweet in front of everybody and and rebuke him you know what do you do and Nathan was a very wise man and an excellent communicator and so Nathan knew i need something stronger than any of those other things that we mentioned I need to use story. And story is the most powerful means of communicating that humans have. There's just so much. A lot of people don't understand how powerful story is, and they think of story just as entertainment. But it goes so far beyond that. Uh, Story is the operating system in our mind. If you don't use your mind to generate a story, For about 18 seconds, if your mind's just idle, it will kick into auto story. We call those daydreams, and you'll begin to live out a scenario, uh, and we actually go crazy. We develop mental illness if we don't get to dream at night. Dreams are just a deepest story that our consciousness can bring up. We're working out our stuff. And working out all of our threats because we're going to spend a third of our life dreaming, sleeping, uh, burning stories, creating stories in our minds. And, and that's essential. It's essential for our survival because the animals got instinct. They, they eat, they sleep, they mate, they kill, they hide whatever instinct tells them to do. There are certain animals, like down in the reptile category, they don't think, as far as we can tell, they don't reason at all, they don't think at all. They are a body reacting to stimulus just with instinct. That's how animals survive. They follow their instincts. But humans don't have many instincts. What we have in the place of instinct are stories and stories are always about survival. At the lowest level, they're about two things: one, lack, uh, avoiding lack; how to get the things that you need, and two, attack, how to prepare for attack, how to how to attack. So there's, you know, it's survival level, and but you know, it, it could be everything from um, uh, someone telling you a story about where they found a car that was really, really cheap. Well, it's really about survival. Ah, I could source I could source a car for that. and your mind will just zip to it. Even stories about romance, that's about survival. Uh, stories about friendship and betrayal of friendship, uh, that is uh, community is what's kept humans together. And that's why COVID has been such a crisis is you take all these humans who have survived because of their community, And now you pull them apart and say, ah, treat each other like a disease. And it just, it unglues us. So we need each other. We need that community. So stories about community are really stories about survival. So stories about lack or attack. And we've been able to survive wars and famines and violence in the history of humanity. And we do it because of stories. Uh, I actually have a, could have been a tragic story, except for those things that parents used to do, and I hope if you're a parent, you're doing them, cautionary tales. Um, America is a country of guns, and it's not hard to find guns anywhere, and I was at somebody's house as a teenager with my little brother, and he was there, hi Mike, and uh, we were in the the pool table room of this family and there laying on the washing machine was a pistol. Well, I knew this was not a real gun because what responsible adult would leave a pistol laying on a washing machine in the recreation room of this house? And so I pick it up and I start playing with it. It looks like a gun, but I knew it wasn't a gun. Couldn't be a gun. Not there. And I cocked the gun and I swung it in the direction of my brother And then stories kicked in. Every time anybody shot anybody by accident, and it was in the newspaper. My mother would say, come here, come here, and she would read the story out of the newspaper. Accidentally, they didn't know the gun was loaded, and all those stories come back into my mind, and I pulled the gun away from my brother, and I pulled the trigger, and I shot the floor, and it was... a fully loaded pistol right there. It could have been a tragedy, except story did its job. Those stories, cautionary tales, don't do this. That could happen to you. That's what story is about. It's our means of survival. So stories will tell us what to do, either in this circumstance or another one. We save them. So anytime a story is being told, we are going to focus on those stories and that's what happened in our story today Nathan realized any man that is as deep in depression and as dangerous and violent as David I've got to get I've got to get inside his mind and shake him up and help him see justice and injustice and make him face what he's done and so he told this story because David was a shepherd and he loved sheep. And so he said, I, uh, he went before the king and he said, you know, I've got a story I have to tell you. You won't believe what's happened in your own kingdom. There was this man and he is so rich. He's got herds and flocks. He's just abundantly wealthy. But right next to his property, there's a poor man. This man has one lamb. And this lamb is for him like a, like a puppy. He, he brings this lamb in the house. The lamb eats with them. The lamb, he cuddles and holds this lamb on his chest at night. And this rich man had a visitor, and he wanted the visitor to taste lamb. And instead of taking one of his many sheep, He went over to that poor man's house and robbed him of his little lamb, and he slaughtered that lamb, and they all tasted the lamb, and David came out of his seat. That man deserves to die, and he begins to pronounce judgment on this man, and Nathan just waits because story has gone around the defense system. You know, if Nathan had walked in there and said, I want to talk to you about your behavior, boom, up the walls would have come. But instead, Nathan just told David a story and story goes around all the barriers. Went into the heart, David came out of his seat and said, that man deserves to die. And he began to say all the things he was going to do to that man. And Nathan said, you are that man. And David knew it and he crumbles. And Nathan tells him, this is what you have done. You and all your wealth with all your wives and all your money and all that you could ever want. You went next door and took the wife of a poor man and pulled her away to yourself. And he just laid that story down and you're going to have consequences for that. But he didn't have to fear for his life because story had done its work. The Bible says without a story, Jesus did not speak. He, he understood how the human mind was built, and he used his times with people to tell them stories that were pregnant with ideas. And some of his stories, uh, they, didn't, they didn't tell it obviously, but the message he wanted to give was buried in that story. And if, if you would go away and you would ponder that story, it would unlock for you, and you would learn those lessons. Stories have that kind of power. And back to our Bible story, David comes off the throne, gets on his knees, and he says, I have sinned. And Nathan says, saying, if, you're, if you're that clean, if you're going to come clean with God, I've come with a message from God, and that is, you are forgiven because that's all God wants is repentance, change the way you live. There were still consequences, and David had to bear those. But he was back in fellowship with God. He admitted his fault. He admitted what he had done publicly. He did not hide his own failure. And God respected that and brought David back to his heart stories. Stories are so powerful. And if you're going to be one of God's new messengers, you've got to become an expert at telling stories. And I'm going to cut away now to an interview with our very own story uh, specialist here at Media Light, Andrew Quinley. And we're going to dig down a little bit deeper into this subject of telling stories for God's glory.
1: Thank you. Really happy to be here. I've been excited about the show taking off, and loved what you guys talked about last week with you and Gooch. Uh, he's an amazing storyteller as well, so I'm excited to be able to talk out a little bit of my angle on this.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your story now, and. Why don't you show us a picture of your family? Let us know where you're at in life.
1: All right. Uh, this is my family. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife that I met back when I was in college in the U.S. And we got married over 10 years ago. And we, since then, have had three kids while we've been living in Thailand. We've got August. He's our strategist, our little mastermind. We have Reese, who is our unicorn princess dragon rider. And we've got Thor, who is... Uh, tiny human wrecking, wrecking ball, who, if you put him in a room, you better tape everything down because he's going to be jumping off of stuff. He's going to be moving things around to try to uh, make this a bigger adventure than it ever could have been if he wasn't in, in the mix. Super cool.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us about uh, you and story. Why did you... I mean, you're you're a story specialist here at Media Light, and what got you interested in actually doing degrees in in story-related fields.
1: Yeah, um, when I was a kid, one of my earliest memories is being in Jamaica. And being in Jamaica, we didn't have too much to do. I was a kid growing up as a missionary kid, watching TV through my neighbor's bars, uh, looking into their window through the gates in front of the house, and watching Mighty Mouse rescue the damsel in distress over and over again, beating up the other cats. And that that kind of ignited my appreciation for visual story. Now, at the same time, I'm growing up in my father's household, and, and my dad is a storyteller for everybody who is watching. You all have been, many of you have been blessed with seeing him uh, tell stories from the pulpit and hearing him communicate the story of the Bible. And really, I think this is the amazing thing about the Bible is that it is just a book of stories. It's not necessarily a book of laws and commandments and teachings and you should do this and you shouldn't do this. The way that God presents himself through the Bible is consistently through stories So it's been in my DNA since I was born. And growing up, I found stories as a refuge in many cases. Uh, When we moved from Jamaica to the U.S., I found Star Wars. And then when we moved from the U.S. to the Philippines, I discovered so many different stories that I began to try to patch my life together with. Because I didn't necessarily have a specific group that I belonged to. So I started to look at stories and see how I could pattern myself after characters in stories and what my story might look like going forward.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, when when I was little, we didn't have anything disposable. So Cokes uh, didn't come in cans, they came in bottles. And you had to pay, first you paid for the soft drink, and then you paid for the bottle. And the bottle costs two two to three cents. And uh, also people were horrible litter bugs. And so they'd just throw these bottles out of the car. And so as a kid, when I was six or seven, I used to, and me and my friends would go up and down the roads and we would look in the grass and we collect bottles. And then we'd go to the grocery store, cash them in and we would go straight to the Seven Eleven store and we would buy a comic book. And we did that pretty much every week. Um, How about for you, would you rather, which grabs you more, uh, comic book stories
1: or book stories like novels? Mm. Uh, That's tough because when I was a kid, I had a similar experience. You all would give us a hundred pesos for allowance during the week, and it was the perfect price because we had some people in the church who ran a uh, comic book trading card shop, and I would... I would tie the 10 pesos off the top and have 90 pesos left to buy a pack of comic book trading cards. And that was exactly the, the amount that they cost. Um, then they went up in price and I wasn't able to buy them anymore. So that little chapter ended. But uh, X-Men, the animated series, which is one of the best kids cartoons of all time back in the 90s, uh, that, was, that was a series that I was fully absorbed in. I love comic books because they enable kids to process some very serious world issues and personal conflicts that they're going to have with people but do it in sort of a fantasy realm that they might not approach because you know, of the, the amount of words that are on the page. So I think comic books are great for that, but novels themselves are a much more intricate world. They're a world that because you don't have your your eyes to create the picture for you, you create this whole universe inside your mind. So I have fallen in love with uh, with novels recently and been writing my own as we are teaching in Thailand and doing the work that we're doing in Thailand, also finding, a way to to express the stories that I want to tell through novel in addition.
0: Why do stories get to us? I mean, what is it about? Because I learned a long time ago about, as being a speaker, uh, that I could labor over all this content, you know, and it's good Bible study or whatever it is, but they're going to forget all of it. They're going to remember that illustration story that I told. There's just something... mm, it's not magic, it's but it's in us. It's something inside. Why? What does story do to us?
1: Yeah. Uh, Stephen King actually says that a a story or a novel is a uniquely portable magic. So using that phrase, it's it's a way that you you are able to take the thoughts in your mind and telepathically transmit them into somebody else's mind. So I can take what I'm thinking and put it in your head through through words that communicate a story but stories themselves are it's it's a means of transmitting essential information and i don't know if the human mind created the story structure in order to communicate things or if story helped shape the human mind and i believe that it's it's one of those you know endless cycles that You begin with the human mind and the way that it works, we create stories because they are a good way to help us to communicate something to somebody else. And then that begins to reshape the way that our mind is formed so that now currently as as doctors and researchers take a look at somebody's brain when they're listening to a story. When I tell you a story, the same portions of your mind light up as are lighting up in my mind. The same sections of your mind that light up in regards to predicting the future light up when you are remembering a past event. The way that our mind works, if your mind is like a computer, and we say this in MediaLite all the time, if your mind is like a computer, which many people describe the human brain as, you know, we've got memory archives that we access, we have this whole frazzled circuitry that sometimes gets overloaded when we're trying to multitask and open too many windows. But if the human mind is like a computer, then story is the operating system of that computer. It enables us to access those memory archives. It helps to make connections between two things that are not at all the same. That's what a metaphor is. It's an access point between one thing and another thing that are not alike. But through a story, through a symbol that we can put in a story, we can say, oh, okay, I can see the similarities. And that's how we learn.
0: So you're saying that when you're telling me a story, your story synchronizes my mind and your mind, that we start to have the same,
1: is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly the same brain brainwaves. We, we, as we are listening to a story, as we are watching a story, people in a theater, if you look at an MRI of our brains at that moment, or a, a brain scan at that moment, you'll see that the brainwaves of everybody in that theater are beginning to ride the same same wow. rhythm.
0: How powerful. And what a great, I mean, if the point of communication is, you know, communication, that we're all coming together now to have the same understanding, then, um, wow, stories are very, very important. What are the ingredients of, a like, a great story?
1: Um, you know, at MediaLite, what we do is we try to just break down these big concepts because we got nine weeks to train you to be a powerful communicator when you walk out the door. And you can't do that without understanding how to take the, the message you're trying to tell and put it into a story and then send it to somebody who needs to hear that story. Um, so in doing that, we kind of break it down into its essential components And there are lots of different teachings on what makes a good story a good story. Uh, Many of them come up with 14 points or 7 points. But ultimately, we say that you've got to have three components for every good story. You've got to have a character, and that character has cause. There's something they're trying to do. And then you have to have complications, or you've got to have conflict.
0: Mm. Is that one of the problems Christians have when uh, when we try to be great storytellers? Sort of an aversion to conflict.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's it's not just an aversion to conflict; it's more so an aversion to an unresolved conflict. We try to very quickly wrap up any problem with, oh yeah, but God solved it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the world around you, there are many stories in which it's not tied up so nice and neat in a bow and The the stories that fall flat that we tell are stories in which We don't fully discuss the problem. We don't fully take a look at all the possible ways that this problem could be solved because basically if you lay it out the character has to want something and then the character faces difficulty in getting that thing. They've, they face conflict in the world. The next part of the story is actually, it's a discourse. It's a conversation between two opposing viewpoints. And a lot of times, and this can go for anybody from any worldview, any belief system, but Christians can be guilty of this in many cases. A lot of times there's not uh, listening to the other side, when we get to the point where it says, "Okay, this character has a problem," what are some ways that this problem could be solved? We just don't even consider any of the other ways, and we jump straight to, "Well, you gotta pray." You know, if you just pray about it, it fixes everything. Mm-hmm. But for people all over the world, that's not a good enough. It, that's not a good enough uh, mode of solving all your problems. They've got to understand. If prayer is the answer, first, you've got to eliminate some of the other ones. And you can't just eliminate it by just saying, well, you know, you do this and then something bad happens. Sometimes when you try another way to solve a problem, you try negotiating, it could actually help you dealing with that issue. So when you get to that conflict resolution portion of the story, you have to give equal consideration. Two viewpoints talk about the positives of this one side and then talk about the positives of the other side of the conversation Mm -hmm. then visit the negatives of even your side of the conversation but we don't want to consider that there are any potential negatives to our side of the conversation and we have to be willing to do that for people to understand that we're being vulnerable and having a real authentic conversation with them
0: okay so there's there's a character there's got to be a A person the story is about, it can't just be injustice is a problem in the world. There has to be a person who's going to battle injustice. So we need a person that we relate to in some way. They don't have to be a mirror of us, but something about them has to be something like us. Mm -hmm. So we've got the person. Then you've got to have conflict. There has to be a problem. They have to want something and this something is hard to get or someone's trying to take it away from them. And then the third
1: one is? Well, yeah, I was I was separating those ones. I have my character, and then I separate the cause and say that this character has a cause. If a character doesn't have a cause, then we don't have a story. Mm-hmm. Then we have the conflict. Now, the conflict must be resolved. So if we're going to reshuffle that and put cause and character together, then we could have character, then we could have the conflict or that pressure, and then we've got a resolution to that conversation that okay. we're
0: having. Because you know, like nowadays, Christians are starting like way late um, to produce films, and we're, we're trying to get into this because we're so far back in the parade, and the world has taken the microphone. And people are really not listening to the church so much anymore, but they are going to the movies or reading novels. Like the world has an insatiable desire. For content, before, you know, we had three channels and you thought, wow, what else could there be? And now there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and they just keep adding new ones. They got to come up. So Christians are starting to step up, but we usually fail. For me, it feels like we fail in all three of those Hmm. categories. We just, you know, either the character is so plastic Hmm. and one-sided, you know, the bad guy is wearing bad guy clothes and he's nothing but evil. And then the good guy is nothing but good. He's never a compromised, you know, uh, two steps forward, one step back kind of person. Uh, Or maybe the conflict, like we don't want a very big conflict. Let's hurry up and get it resolved Mm -hmm. because we can't take that, you know, that delayed period where it's just agony. Mm -hmm. What would you say of the three, uh, character, conflict, resolution, which of those, let's start positive. Which one do you think in Christian content? They seem to do okay.
1: Uh, I think we're getting better at the at some of the character moments. I'm starting to see more movies come out, more novels where we're exploring a more diverse array of characters. Mm-hmm. It's not just the you know the husband and wife who are having marital problems mm-hmm. all the time, or the kid who's rebellious who wants to run away from home. We're mm-hmm. seeing people in lots of different situations. Uh, where they represent different parts of society and they have different things that they're trying to go after, different ways that they're trying to approach life. So I think we're doing pretty well on that. Um, we definitely can explore that further. I think we we need to stop being so scared to, to let characters speak for themselves, not to mm-hmm. clean up their vocabulary, and to clean up their life so that it fits our our own morality. Because if we're talking about a guy who's got a serious meth addiction, then he needs to act like a guy who's got a serious meth addiction. He needs to talk like somebody who's got a serious meth addiction. He can't be a Christianized version of a guy who's got a serious meth addiction.
0: Yeah, we don't want him to cuss or do anything.
1: Right, yeah. Do anything
0: that's a little off color.
1: And the moment you do that, you remove them from the world. And this is not a real person. So if we want people to take our stories seriously, then we need to take their stories seriously.
0: All right, well, that was a good interview. And it's very. Uh, it has stimulated a lot of questions, and I'm glad for this, because if we're going to be known as anything, we have to be known as great storytellers. It's just the. It's the heart of communication. If you want to say something to a human that won't be forgotten and it will get into their heart, you have to do it in the form of a story. We're just made that way, and people who understand this. Uh, they become master communicators. And, you know, the Great Commission is a command to communicate, and most of us don't have any training as a communicator. So uh, this is one area. If you just focus on this one area alone, like, I am going to be a great storyteller, it, uh, it's enough. And I think, I think Andrew gave a really good suggestion in saying, Every day when you make a Facebook post uh, or whatever social you do, even if you just do one a day, but tell a story through that. If it's like Instagram and you just share a photograph, uh, share a photograph that and then explain the story that goes around it. Mm -hmm. It's just daily practice. Uh, And I guess I could go over this, too. At MediaLite, we have three initials that we would train you if we were doing story training on campus, with CPR, just like do CPR. A character, they need a problem, and you need to provoke that problem, agitate that problem, because it's a problem that your listener has also, and then resolution in the end. It doesn't have to be a happy ending. It just has to be a satisfying ending. Uh, Nathan's story did not have a happy ending, except it had the effect on David of turning his heart. But uh, David had done something horrible. He was going to have to face the consequences, but he didn't have to face the consequences cut off from God. That's what Nathan went there to get dealt with. So uh, let's look at some questions. I want to start with a question from Luis. What influences us to believe certain stories that's really important Mm -hmm. huh the believability of the story Um, I really wish we could get a bunch of people in the room right now uh, because and I and I as we set up this segment in our show I was very careful I didn't call question and answer uh, because there are many answers to a lot of these kinds of questions but I do have a response question and response so what influences us to believe certain stories? I think believability is really important, even if you know that you're, that you're listening to a fairy tale. You know, I don't expect that there really is. Um, you know, the Red Riding Hood is something that really happened factually. But even in a fairy tale, it has to be believable. You know, there has to be the way the world works has to work in this story too so i think uh, a basic commitment to believability sometimes the like the endings that we slap on sort of what andrew was alluding to you know you pray and your problems mm-hmm. go away and it's like ta-da <laughs> and everybody's listening going eh, i don't believe this story you know because it's not that's not how life works you 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 have to deal with life, and it doesn't always end up completely happy. A lot of times it's 70% happy, you know, it's, but stories will help us get through. But you're right, believability is really important, and the believability in Christian terms, the believability of the messenger mm. is really important. Yeah. You know, if Nathan came to David and Nathan has, Nathan's an alcoholic with a porn problem, and he wants to come talk to David about his problems. Nathan just lost the ability to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. There is a there is something of an exemplary uh, to be an example is one of the requirements of those who are going to serve as the Lord's messenger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's a higher road and it's uh it's a more difficult road, but it rewards because if as your path is clearer and your life is more in line with God, you walk with God in a better way. So I think the believability of the messenger is pretty huge. And uh, I, I guess that would be my second one, is just that you have to tell stories that reflect the way life generally works. Now, you can have a surprise in there, but it can't just be, you know, oh, I had no money for groceries, and then in the sidewalk I found a lottery ticket, and I had a million dollars, and then I bought a car, and it's like, this is not normal. Uh, and the, But the point is, this is not a helpful story, because that's what's going on in people's minds. Their minds don't want to waste calories mm-hmm. thinking about things that are mm-hmm. irrelevant. So if you're going to tell a story it's just silly, uh, so much kids programming to me, it's just silly. At least Roadrunner was problem solving. You know, <laughs> He's trying to get away from the fox. It's like uh, this Tom and Jerry thing. You know, it's a, it's a competitive world. But some of the new stuff is just there's nothing going on. There's no there isn't a story. It's just no uh, be gross and blow a bunch of stuff up. So that's what story. That's where story has fallen today. Let's look at a story from sigh and Layla. this is coming out of um scotland uh, as christians why don't you read it
1: as christians i feel strongly that we have to start telling stories using the worldly tools at our disposal in the most creative way possible which means p- pushing boundaries and reaching an excellence in our work that is not always evident in existing christian content what is the best way to achieve this would you say
0: There has never been. It's a great question, and and it's from somebody that you can tell thinks about the story arts because there really is a there's an art and there's a skill and you have to have both Um, because you could you can see yourself as as very maybe later we're going to have a session on creativity and uh, you're not creative if you're not creating things if you know if you dye your hair purple. You just like purple hair. That doesn't make you a creative person. Creative people create. Whether it's cookies or cinema, they they make stuff. So give yourself to thinking about things like this. It's really important that you spend time with these kinds of thoughts. The best way um I don't think there has ever been a better time to be alive as a storyteller. We have amazing Ways to Tell Stories Now, and you're right on that. That was a telephone hitting the floor. (laughs) Uh, So we have amazing tools now at our disposal, things that used to cost millions of dollars. Uh, They're basically free for us today. And uh, I do think that a lot of times Christians have been sloppy and have taken the easy way about telling their stories, but we've got to deal with something else and it is the fact that we created a thing called the Christian Market. And the Christian Market is the idea that Christians will pay for content that is Christian-y. And so we create things, and it gets in the way of our message because we could be making a truly evangelistic film that would speak to the world the way the world is and they would receive it not as an evangelistic film but as a true story that moves them toward Christ except you've got the christian group that you're really expecting to pay for this film and to go to this film and to support this film so then you end up doing all these other things for people that really don't have a they don't have a media mind And so they're expecting, you know, but did you do the sinner's prayer four times? And did you say this over and over again? And did you like all those kind of cheesy turns that we'll do in some amateur uh, Christian productions? It comes from that. It's pandering to the people, the Christian people that you hope will accept your work. So you really have to decide who you're talking to. But I tell you what, even the Christian people are starting to have much higher standards uh, about what they will support and be a part of. Even if you decide that you're going to make content to encourage believers and you're going to make things just for the Christian community, that's fine. I'm not saying don't do that. Our heart is always gospel media and mm-hmm. gospel media has got to start with a blank sheet of paper and say, I want to reach this kind of person who is lost and disconnected mm-hmm. from God, and I want to talk to them the way that they will receive this and pull them. And there are some, you know, creativity is, a, is the magic extra ingredient. We say creativity is worship. worship. It takes extra time to be creative, uh, but creativity will make up for lack of money, you know. If if you're without, mm-hmm. uh, I knew a man that had um, he had no money, but he wanted to make a movie, and he was in a war zone. We we both met him. He was in a war zone in uh, Zimbabwe, and so he just pretty much knew he was going to be locked in his house for a year. And he got some metal statues. And he just set his camera up and he just like move the arm and shoot five frames and move the arm and shoot five frames. And he made a full <laughs> a full motion picture. It took him months to do it, but it was just him. And that that picture actually played in cinemas. Uh, once the war was over and things lifted, he had this thing that had that had heart. And we've got um, we have a, a, a mediaite family member in Ethiopia. Uh, whose father just rocketed to national prominence because he wrote a story. And it so expressed the heart of what the nation was going through mm-hmm. that it put him on an entirely different platform. So creativity will make, will make the difference in so many, uh, so many projects. And I think we are part of a growing movement of believers who are going to to use story in a better way. Amen. Amen. I think we're we're developing some people who really think uh, the chosen isn't that the name of mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Uh, series. Yeah, you know we we're very impressed with that, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know good good work on them because they've spent the time to to tell the stories well. The the skill of being a a visual storyteller is extremely powerful. God has given us a generation where this is all we need. You can just take this device and you can push out your messages. Equipment is not what's holding you back. The skills are there. We've got medialightonline.com. And we'll be adding more courses to that to help you build your skill set. But there's help for you if you want to be one of God's new messengers. This is your day. And Media Light is here for you. We exist exactly for this. You're our reason for existing. And, and that's all from us. The mic is yours. Now go raise your voice.